Welcome, friend, to the trifecta of joy. What is the trifecta? Awareness, befriending your inner critic, and raising your vibe. This podcast is about you, your life, your adventure, and how to live it juicy. Our podcast is brought to you by Perfectly Imperfect Life Coaching. Download your free joy guide at www.freejoybook.com. A gift from us to you. Again, www.freejoybook.com. I'm your host, Tanya Gill. But really, we're in this together. Connected, sharing, and adventuring through life. So let's do it with joy. Today, my friends, I am going to invite you to hear some wisdom from a very wise man. The trifecta of joy and our self-love summer is also about our relationships with our partners. And today, I want to introduce you to a conversation that I had with my husband, Dr. Peter Kellett, about men and their experience of life. So... My lovely listeners, I would like to share with you Dr. Peter Kellett, <laughs> my beloved husband, and um, and we want to have a conversation with you. And we were talking about how with self-love summer, we are really exploring the idea of relationships as well. And relationships come in so many different ways and shapes and sizes. But when we have primary relationships with partners, and it's a male-female relationship, there are elements that are overlooked when it comes to the support that men need and want. And so we started talking about that. And I said, can we please record this? So, Peter. Yes. <laughs> you just want me to go? <laughs> I kind of do because I'm like, please, like seriously, we were talking about friendships and, and in reality, it is easier for women to create friendships where we have space to be emotional with one another. Yes. I think that um, what a lot of people don't realize is how strongly men are socialized to not talk about emotion. Um, and, you know, at the risk of sounding academic, I mean, there's certainly research out there that shows that when they're born, male babies are actually more emotional than female babies. But by the time they're 18 months of age, they're already starting to control their emotions. And by the time they get to school age, they are already in a place where it's sometimes hard to tell what emotion they're experiencing. Um, this is sometimes called by a lot of people, the mask of masculinity. The mask of masculinity. And then you taught me the word alexithymia. Yeah, and we, we talked about this a little bit, I think, in the last podcast I did with you. But alexithymia is a clinical term. Um, a, in the alexithymia, means no, lexi, words, uh, for feeling thymia. 
And alexithymia is something that tends to show up in people who have undergone a great deal of trauma. And in other words, people have gone through the fight or flight process to the point of freeze, where they almost have to shut down their emotions to cope with the traumatic experiences they're going through. And And so some of us might think of that, for example, as us having like literally a glass wall around us, like that the feelings just are emptiness. Yeah. And I think everybody can identify with the fact that sometimes when they're really upset, they just kind of feel flat. They feel kind of numb and they have a hard time expressing what they're feeling. Yeah. And we never have those kinds of things happen in our relationship, do we? Oh, never, ever. Um, So, (laughs) but I think that there was an American psychologist, Ron Levant, who first talked about this in the context of, of men that he was seeing in counseling. And these men, when he asked them questions like, how does that make you feel? They actually had a really hard time answering those questions. And, and so it, it really, what we have to think about is really what led to this in these men. And when we think about how many young boys, and I'm not saying all young boys, but many boys have been socialized that as soon as they start to cry, their parents say something like, don't cry, be a big boy. Right. Okay. So or suck it up. Exactly. And in the trifecta of joy, that is the befriend your inner critic part of what's added to your cultural stew, right? From birth on. And it's those things like, you know, suck it up get up and dust yourself off. You're a big boy. Yeah. And so basically they have, they develop the the inner critic, the shadow that basically is tearing them down if they show any emotion. Um, And this gets reinforced in so many different ways throughout their life um, to the point where a lot of, a lot of young, young boys and men, uh, are very reluctant to express emotion because it puts them at risk for oh, social ex- bullying and social exclusion, and it puts their masculinity in question. Right, they're they're not the tough guy that they 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 get then they get bullied for being a baby or a crybaby or not being tough enough to take it or whatever. Yeah, and we see a lot of fathers who are already struggling with their own emotional um, challenges and difficulty expressing emotion, who whose fathers never expressed emotion to them or provided a space for them to uh, be emotional. So here's the thing though, like I have clients who are in spaces of separation, divorce and, and those kinds of things. And And one of the biggest things that they've said is that these men couldn't get real with them and and couldn't be emotional and talk about the real things and talk about feelings. And so, you know, I'm supporting these women in in their journeys. And yet there's a part of me that says, oh, my God, what has he missed that has led to this? Well, you know, while I'm, I certainly don't want to take away an individual person's responsibility in a relationship, no. I, think, I think, though, that a lot of men 
really struggle because they've had no opportunity to practice these skills in their life at all. Um, or if they have, it's been very little, maybe with like a couple of safe people like their mother. Their mother, maybe their sister. And the, the research is very clear, actually, that men depend on the women in their lives for their emotional support because the relationships with other men tend to be more superficial and around activity. Oh, yeah, like this, like the guys who have the football nights or are part of the, I don't know, bowling league. Do people still bowl? Yes, people still bowl. Or the car guys, mm. right? Or the, I don't know, woodworkers, woodcrafters. Yeah, and and certainly there's a lot of emphasis on externalizing uh, behaviors in men and, and doing things rather than necessarily talking about things or or exploring that and this is one of the things that drives women crazy because as soon as they tell men something that's going on for them they want to fix it they will try and externalize it try and and find a solution to it and i think that's for two reasons partly because they've been socialized that way but also partly because they're also many of them uncomfortable being in that space of emotion um and i think what what i would like a lot of women to know uh is that these men's are depending on, on on these important women in their life for that emotional support and they're actually also terrified of not appearing masculine to their wives or to their partners as well. Oh, totally. And, and, you know, and so the, and so they're, they really don't want to, um, they, they don't want to put that relationship at risk from that point of view as well. Well, and the thing is, is that I know men who had, have been called horrific names as, well, and in this case, of being a pussy because of expressing emotion, yeah. talking about feeling hurt, talking about feeling disappointed, talking about the feelings that they were having. And, and it was, it was, uh, he was, I know somebody was called, he was called a pussy. And it was like, that was the end of that relationship. Well, and I think that this also speaks to one of the challenges that men also have in trying to develop these skills and to be vulnerable is that sometimes when they are expressing emotion, they often, it's often not received very well, even by the people who have actually encouraged them to be emotional. And, and I want, in saying this, I don't want to imply that women in their lives are trying to to make it bad for them i think that they are often reacting off their own programming and socialization in relation to gender and so i think that oh my god how many people our generation saw our fathers cry like legitimately and like maybe with death but like how many times did we see our fathers cry well and i think that this is the issue and even when people are very progressive, feminist-oriented, you know, pro-men being emotional, I think that when, uh, when we talk about attraction profiles and things like that, people will often be attracted to what's familiar. And so 
that's why people say that people are often attracted to people like their fathers. Not me, just so we're clear. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not necessarily saying even that it's about being attracted to your father, but I think that the male role models that you had in your life are going to influence maybe what you're attracted to. And, and so in many ways, a lot of women, I think, were exposed to fathers who were distant, who were emotionally restrictive, um, who may have been absent in some degree, either physically or emotionally. And I think sometimes they unwittingly and subconsciously uh, are attracted to that, that kind of man. But at the same time, the men who are willing to be emotional, sometimes it's not received well. Mm -hmm. and and i mean we have a very i think we have a very strong open connected relationship but there are times when you're emotional it's very hard for me mm -hmm. um because i feel a sense of like stepping into almost a parenting role it's not like that all of the time but sometimes it is and i don't know why that is but the truth is, it is hard for women too, right? And so, and I think maybe that's because of the context of family, maybe. Um, but also, absolutely, like. Well, I think, first of all, I think if a woman says that to a man, that they feel like they're having to step in the parent role, I think that's going to immediately shut that man down. Yeah. Because I think that it's implying that he's, he's childish. For being that way um i think it's very understandable why women especially women who are also mothers mm -hmm. and who are balancing multiple multiple demands on their time mm -hmm. especially in the context of relationships where maybe the father or husband is not taking a part in the emotional labor mm -hmm. of caring of the children that i think that when that mother is having to now look after the emotions of the husband when they're already struggling to balance all, all the of other the pieces. other pieces. I think that that then becomes becomes too much. And I don't think it's necessarily that they can't have the capacity to be there for them, but I think this is where men also have to take responsibility for recognizing that uh, a strong relationship means that you also have to be play, in partnership be in partnership and, and be fully in, involved and in you, all the things in all the things like it's not just her job to sweep the floor yes for example yes exactly and so if and this is where i think these you know these patriarchal practices that happen for a long time and still are very very prevalent because we still know that women take too much of the load of, of the care of children and house cleaning and house housework as they, they call it mm -hmm. um still a lot of men are not participating in that and so i would like to say that you are a very active participant in those things and i'm grateful for it yeah and i wouldn't have it any other way um but I think, again, like what we have to recognize, too, with some of these men is they also, 
it's also about their precarious state of masculinity that they also don't engage in some of those things sometimes because depending on who's around them they may also tear them down if they're engaged in some of those those behaviors or the internalized messages that they got from their fathers or the other men in their life may have that responsible to change the diaper yes or or my favorite oh dad's babysitting today oh my god that one is just too much yeah and i'm not again i'm not saying this is an excuse but Mm -mm. What we have is we have internalized socialization and stories that people are talking about. The cultural stew. And it's the same stories that that some men don't want to wear a shirt and tie because it's not manly enough, or that they don't want to wear certain colors because it's not manly enough. Um, or those, you know, the, or men the, with long hair, or it, you know, yeah. there are all kinds of yeah. There's all kinds of different things that we could we could talk about. I mean. And even this kind of idea that somehow a man is whipped if he does what his wife asks right. him to do, oh. right? And and again, that comes from misogyny and, and oppressive stuff. And it's not a mature masculine way of dealing with things. Um, and so one of the things that I just like to contextualize this in is that patriarchal behaviors and oppressive behaviors and controlling behaviors, those are not mature masculine behaviors. Those are immature masculine behaviors. And so in many ways, patriarch, you know, the structures that have influenced the socialization society are about an immature masculinity. And that's not necessarily um, the case <laughs> for all men, obviously. Right. And, what, this is not a, and this is, this is not a blame game. Like, yeah. so if if there's a woman listening, it's really important that that we we clarify that this is not about calling your partner immature or you know pointing out the flaws in your partner. This is about understanding the socialization that men have had to bring them to the place that they are in, and the reality that getting in touch with their emotional side and being that authentic for them may be really challenging. Yeah, and, and certainly by talking about those things, I think that's the inner academic in me trying to explain some of these things and the person who's done men's work and men's coaching. Yeah, blaming is not the way to move forward with anything. I think, I think that it, hopefully by listening to this, uh, women may understand a little bit more why men have trouble talking about some of these things and why it seems kind of bizarre for them that they actually have trouble putting into words what's going on for them or what's bothering them. Um, because literally they've had very little opportunity to practice it. Um, and this is where I think there is kind of a significant gender difference again. And, you know, like we talked about friendships and I mean, no secret in the trifecta of joy, I talk about my high council and I have very intimate emotional conversations with each of those people. I also have very intimate emotional conversations with you. I have several people that I can have those kinds of conversations with. And I think that for most men, that pool is much smaller. Yeah. And part of what initiated this this conversation tonight was just talking about the fact that just running into someone in an activity 
as a man doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be able to get to a place where that person's going to be there for you in a way beyond the activity. Uh, in many cases, that's not to say that it might not happen, but I think it's much harder for men to find those those friends where they can be vulnerable and and maybe process things that they're going through um, than it is for women to find people who are willing to do that um, because of this enormous civil exothymia and because of also this fear of of not being masculine enough in the eyes of these other men. And so this is interesting because in a previous episode, when in a previous episode, I had the privilege, you know, of interviewing Dr. Jody Carrington. And in her book, she talks about an experience of her son, and it was a hockey locker room situation. And it was a situation around bullying type stuff, right? And so then I'm thinking to myself, you know, Jody talks about like seriously gets mama bear, read the book. It's really good. Um, but interestingly enough, the book is called feeling seen, right? And feeling seen is about creating relationship, whether it be a surface relationship where you're just having a great conversation with someone, <laughs> with someone in a thrift store who recognizes you and says, are you the trifecta of joy? That happened to me today, right? Yeah. Or if it's a deep relationship that becomes a very close friendship. I think that we have the ability as women more to connect on a deeper level because that locker, I don't know, maybe not that locker room stuff. Am well I well, I think I think what it is, it comes back to kind of that term, the mask of masculinity. Um, and so because men, I think, are socialized from an early age, that they are, that to be truly authentic in that moment, especially if they're in an emotional place or they're they're not feeling particularly strong or tough in that moment, that if, if they can't be authentically who they are, in some case, it might also be that maybe they like things that aren't viewed as typically masculine. Right, like a man who knits. Man who knits, or a man who likes dance, or, or, is artistic, or you know whatever it is. Right, poetry. Loves, yeah, does things which are not viewed as typically masculine, and and so by not being authentic to who you are, it is inherently traumatic. Gabor Mate, Doctor Gabor Mate, talks about this all the time. Right. If you're unable to be authentically you. It, it traumatizes you. And so I think inherently, this is where the trauma comes in the socialization of young boys is they're being told to, to put this mask on, to not be authentic, to play act this unrealistic idea of what man's supposed to be, to put on the mask of masculinity. And that if they don't do that, then they're not man enough. Right. There are some emotions that are acceptable. Yes, and this is one of the things that actually is is very key to understand about men and and uh, mental health is that emotions that are vulnerable are not okay, but emotions that are more accepted to men are things like anger, aggression, even lust is viewed as more acceptable than being vulnerable. 
Um, and so what happens is, is when they feel inadequate or they feel shamed, they will often engage in a kind of reactive protest performance to that to sort of say, I am masculine. Is that where the affairs come from? That is one of the areas where affairs come from. And porn they, addiction? Porn addiction, um, irritability, substance, substance abuse. Well, the substance abuse, I think I think this, there's different different paths. If you've right. got the shame, you can gain uh, go into compulsive behaviors to dissociate. Right. And that's where the addictions come from. That's where the porn use sometimes comes into play. That's where uh, affairs. Affairs, affairs sometimes are coming into play. Um I think that the the other thing that the shame can generate, though, is an emotional response. But the only acceptable emotions might be something like like aggression or anger. And so we actually see in men who are or, depressed showing a little more aggression. Or what about like that passive aggressive humor thing that men do, like that sarcastic humor thing, like. Well, I think, you know, I think, I mean? yes, I know exactly what you mean, but I think that comes from like almost mockery. Well, and that comes from um, socialization as men, where it's almost, I call it sparring, oh, like constantly right. testing each other's masculinity. And you see this with some men where they are, are undermining each other, questioning each other's masculinity. And you particularly see it in like young men. Uh-huh. they're very overt with it uh-huh. but even with older men sometimes you see that happening or or even get fathers doing that to their sons or their kids and and, and, you know and, and, and humor is also a dissociation method if they're uncomfortable about something they may engage in humor around it or they may that's another acceptable emotion, emotion is to to laugh and to do those things so sometimes they will put on the mask of laughter or humor, but it's coming from a place of pain a lot of times or a place of of uh, not really knowing how to process it. And they will sometimes be sarcastic and be unpleasant. And it also comes from that kind of aggression piece. The other thing I would say that feeds the affairs issue mm-hmm. is that men are also socialized that they're not supposed to ask for affection. They're not supposed to be hugged. They're not supposed to be held. Yeah. <laughs> and, and because a lot of men are also in need of affection, they're also in need of support, one of the few areas in their life where they're able to ask for that is sex. Right. And so when a sexual relationship's not going well, or if they're not uh, engaging in sex, mm-hmm then they may crave that kind of emotional support somewhere. Mm -hmm. I think um, the other thing is, is if we think about the dissociation compulsive stuff, the affairs also is a compulsive desire for that kind of of soothing, that support, and may engage in affairs. And that's also where porn addiction is fed too i think do you think though too that possibly and i'm just going to throw this out there the affairs also happen because um in one environment and relationship there is responsibility and in the other one there is none or significantly significantly less well absolutely i think that there's there's always a little bit of the 
it's a little easier, I think, when they go to a relationship where there isn't any accountability or responsibility. Um, I don't think that justifies the choice that they're making, but I think that might fuel it as well. Mm -hmm. And I think there's always this kind of idea that the grass is going to be greener Greener. on the other side. And I think that plays out for women as well sometimes where they Mm -hmm. think, oh, you know, someone else is going to be better. Or are they going to give me what I need because I'm not getting what I need? And I think what scares me about that is that, you know, we have together, we have three sons and one daughter and all of them are to some degree or another seeking connection Mm -hmm. with a partner. And they've commented on how you know it's like people don't want to connect people just want to talk back and forth for a gajillion years and they never want to meet and and they don't want to engage and they you know it's easier to hook up than it is to have a relationship and these are words not spoken by our daughter these are words spoken by one of our sons and so that's really interesting because I think that, and you know, I talk about this is to me, it's about the legacy of self-love. It's about recognizing that we have the opportunity and legacy to teach and to role model and to show the future generations what self-love looks like so that they don't live by their inner critic, so that they can step authentically into their truth, so they can live their lightest and happiest lives mind body and spirit yeah right yeah and i think i think though that the the issue of trying to find deep relationships yeah in this day and age i think is multifactorial um i think that for young people i think it's also been highly impacted by technology and the fact that a lot of people are much more comfortable talking in a chat online or via text than they are face-to-face with people. I think for- The pandemic didn't make that any better. The pandemic made it worse. I think we one thing we have to recognize too amongst um, boys who are gamers Mm -hmm. is that, and not just boys, girls too. Girls, kids that are gamers. Kids that are gamers, um, that these- these online games they're talking to one another and a lot of times this is their source of socialization and community and community and, and for one of our kids that community is so tight that they are flying to meet somewhere together yeah and but the reality is is they've been socialized into communication in that way like right. it's and so a lot of young people, I think today when they're face to face with people, it's tough. And I think it's scary for them because there's a, there's a social anxiety associated with it because they don't have a lot of experience. And what fucks that up is that what happens is that I think that men feel safer being emotional via text, which is attractive to women Mm -hmm. in a way via text. And then what happens is that For some people, when they get face-to-face with that person, it's like, oh, hang on a second, because there's obviously different energy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, vulnerability in words is completely different from vulnerability face-to-face, nose-to-nose, toes-to-toes. 
Absolutely. And I think too, that when you're face to face, if you say something you have a person that's approved of, you're going to see it on their face right away. Absolutely. Um, and, and again, there's that shame can come up. Mm-hmm. And so I think, so I think that that is, that is kind of a result of multiple things, but from boys mm-hmm. and men, I think it, you can kind of turn it up a couple of notches because even when they are face to face, they're often been socialized to keep it very superficial, mm-hmm. keep it very focused on the task at hand. Um, don't make it about emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so they've had even less practice. And so I think what we're seeing is, is that a lot of young men going to the dating world are probably going into it with even more challenges than even previous generations of men. Um, and, and I think, you know, in relationships too, I mean, as they develop, I think both men and women are have to grow in a relationship together. Mm-hmm. And if the men are not willing to engage in any self-reflection or or in any conversation that's going to be really hard to grow together. Okay. So we are committed to growing together, mm-hmm. right? Unquestionably. And you said, you know, when you see something on someone's face. Mm-hmm. So when I made a reference to sometimes with emotion, it can feel like, like all of a sudden it's like, I'm a parent. Mm-hmm. You had a reaction to that. I did. Uh, but I, I recognize where it came from. Okay. So so but i had a reaction mm-hmm. and i commented on it because i think that when you're talking to men about some of these issues mm-hmm. anything that sort of makes them more vulnerable or more childlike mm-hmm. tends to make them feel greater shame so then let's get real about this did you feel shame in in my sharing that in receiving that in my sharing that because here's the thing this is something that i have heard from many women there are many women who refer to their spouse as their third child fourth child fifth child second child um you i do not think of as my child no however you had a reaction and it was a personal reaction well, it was a personal reaction and there was an element of shame to it, but it like, was talk to me, like, but it, but it was blunted by the fact that I understood where it came, came from. from. Right. Um, and so I could in that, in that moment, when you said it, I knew where you were coming from and that, and so I reminded myself almost instantaneously not to take that personally. But I think that some men some men are not going to recognize where that came from. Yeah. And so a reference to them being a child mm-hmm. or just someone that has to be taken care of mm-hmm. when they may feel that they are doing what they can to try and take care of their family and mm-hmm. whatever form could be viewed as very offensive to them in that moment. Absolutely. Right. And so... But I, we've kind of talked about some issues related to this before. Mm-hmm. So 
so uh, yeah it it i had a different different take on it well, but and, but there, but i'll be honest yeah. there was a moment when you said that mm -hmm. and we're on camera mm -hmm. where i thought why is she saying that to me on camera because it kind of felt as if you were undermining me mm. a little bit mm -hmm. that's so interesting putting me down right and so or, the, or undermining me in the eyes of other of other, other people. people not necessarily that you were undermining me but that you could be positioning me in a place of, of vulnerability that, of vulnerability yeah isn't that interesting yeah right so here's the thing right like we're talking about male vulnerability you had a reaction and it was so real yeah. and that reaction was to being vulnerable yeah. in a public forum right and yet it's just you and me we could cut that shit out it doesn't matter yeah. but i like Okay, I'm going to call you emotionally evolved. Don't let your heart head get too big. But you're a pretty emotionally evolved guy. And you are someone who is passionate about metaman and is passionate, which is loving kindness. And you can talk about that in a second. But you're passionate about men being able to have a safe space mm -hmm. And to be able to talk about this stuff and maybe even learn how to connect with their feelings because, you know, I use the analogy of the cold room, right? Everything goes into a jar and goes into the cold room. Mm -hmm. And so if men have these cold rooms, like they may not even know how to open the door. And so you help with that. And yet, and it's proof that, you know, the best teacher is someone who's doing the growing themselves. Mm -hmm. And you had a reaction and I love you for it. And I love you for, for being so willing to just say this, like to say, yeah, I reacted. Well, and I think that as I've done this work and I, I would have, it's really interesting actually, I, as I did my men's coach training as well, we had an exercise once where there was a, a man in the group where the other men sort of called them not not being open not really sharing their emotions and that man reacted by saying well that's not what people in my life tell me and it was suddenly like this huge realization for me because i think those of us who are have expressed emotion are often told we're too emotional and yet, even when we're emotional people, because we've been shamed for that, we are often still working to to put off that mask. And especially and, as a professional, Dr. Peter Kellett. Well, and and <laughs> well, I know. And so in that moment, I saw that he wasn't being authentic. And I, I was one of the people who also talked about that. But then I realized I was basically projecting my own stuff on that that man at that moment because I was um I also more have more of a mask than I realize and and so I think that I think that it takes time like it took it took a lot of years I'm 53 almost 
and it took a lot of years to build the mask it took a lot of years to build that shell and and it's a process and it's a process and to it let takes them. practice and and i think that i've been studying masculinities and men's well-being for for 20 years and and i, had, I acknowledge when i teach about it that i know that the norms around masculinity are mythical they're not achievable and they're not really desirable yet i still catch myself measuring myself against them at times even though i know they're bullshit wow there is so much more to be said about this and peter dives even more into what it means to be mature masculine and also how we integrate feminine energy into our lives as well Stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about archetypes and their impact in how we show up in the world. Thanks for listening, friends. I love you so much. Until next time. Mwah. Thank you for listening, my friend. We are deeply grateful you chose to be here. I trust that this has invited you, even if in some small way, to deepen your awareness, befriend your inner critic, and raise your vibration. Please follow us, leave a review, and share this podcast with a friend. If you have any ideas or feedback, please reach out. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. You are loved.